Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Berkflow. And I'm Alex Collins. On today's episode, we're going to pick up from the conversation we had in the last episode when we're talking about going up the mountain in the accumulation years. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more about coming down the mountain. So distribution, when you start to turn your assets into, into income. And specifically, we're going to talk about three different ways that makes it harder to course correct if you wait too long. Uh, 100%, Ryan. Most most folks, like they spend most of their careers and, and whatnot going up the mountain and they, they plan for it. We can have a discussion around how well people plan for retirement and things of that nature. And virtually every person that we've talked to throughout my entire career and your entire career have a semi-decent understanding or at least a significantly better understanding of how to build wealth and accumulate, how to climb the mountain. When we ask the question, how do you create income in retirement? What do we get? A lot of I don't knows or haven't the, thought the, about it. Right. The deer caught in the headlights. Yep. The so so share the share the analogy, Alex, of, of the mountain, because I think it's a great way of explaining what people should consider doing with their financial plan. Uh, and going back to the mountain climber, there are, are are very technical differences when you climb up a mountain versus when you climb down a mountain. Um, something that it might be easy to climb up may not be easy to climb down. And you know, most people like, especially when I don't know about you, but I did a whole bunch of like climbing trees and climbing rocks and scrambling up like hillsides and whatnot as a kid. And oftentimes we'd get to the top. And it would only take us like 10 or 15 minutes to get to the top of this thing. And then it would take us like an hour to get down because we were like, oh crap, we're way up here. How do we get down? Which route do we go? And there wasn't forethought, there wasn't planning. And we see this all the time when it comes to retirement planning of people simply trying to accumulate as much wealth as they can into a bucket without thinking about what the consequences are of building it inside of that bucket. Um, you know, and traditionally we see it inside or oftentimes we see it inside of traditional methods like 401k where hundred percent of the dollars are in a tax deferred account and they're all going to be taxable coming out. Yeah. And so the, the key ingredient here is the professional hikers and climbers, they not only plan their way up the mountain, but they surely know how to get down the mountain as well, because getting down is the harder, scarier part. Absolutely. So let's let's dive into this, so what we mean. So think about it from this perspective. All of the decisions you're making right now when you're trying to accumulate and build your wealth, if you make a mistake or if you need to pull money from different resources, right, it's, it's easier to course correct because you have several years normally that enable you to course correct. Well, not only do you have years, but you also have more control over the variables. Yep. You can choose to work longer. You can choose to, um, th there are things that you can choose to do around your investments where, it, you know, if it's, oh, hey, we need to diversify. Okay, got it. 
how can we go about doing that? And there's a bunch of different ways to diversify, whether that's diversifying the individual asset or whether it's diversifying the holding that you have. As long as you're working and have control over some of the variables, then you've got a lot of, of ability to have flexibility and course correct because there are multiple different things that you can change. You've got more tools at your disposal. When you get to retirement, there aren't anywhere near as many ways that you can course correct. Yeah, think about it from this perspective. I mean, think about fast forward your life right now. So imagine being 65, 70 years old, and you know, your version of retirement is occurring. You know, some of that might be some sort of passive income, or maybe you're working um, at some other job. Sometimes you don't have that choice, but imagine you're having to pull money from your assets. You've made all of those decisions up until that point. If you make a wrong decision that costs you $100,000, $200,000 or something, some amount of money, how are you going to course correct so that it's not a bigger effect on your life and your lifestyle? Ryan, what's even worse is it may not be a mistake. Imagine mm -hmm. having grown your nest egg to $2 million, just to throw out a round, round number. And now that $2 million between taking distributions over a couple years early in retirement and happening to, happening to retire at a time when the market drops precipitously, uh, you know, like, a, like it did last February and early March, like it did back in 2008 like it did back in 2000, 2001, 2002. We, we're going to go through market corrections. And if you happen to retire near one of those market corrections, either you know having that happen just before you retire or having it happen um, you know, just as you retire or just a year or two into retirement, imagine that $2 million going from $2 million down to say $1.2 million. Holy crap, yeah. you just spent 40 years creating this $2 million bucket, and in two years or three years, you lost 40% of that bucket. If that doesn't give you pause and give you concern about what is going to actually happen and now how you're going to create the same amount of income from something that is 40% less than what it was before, you are a rare individual <laughs> yeah so you're you're getting into so why is it harder to course correct right there, there's three well there's more than three we're going to talk about three reasons why it's harder to correct or what could affect that and alex you just brought up the first one which is what in our industry we will call sequence of return risk absolutely it's, it's what happens when like we don't control when the market has bad bad years or or um, you know, when things occur. Uh, and if we think about a lot of the, the events that lead towards these market drops, it's usually an event, whether it's COVID or a terrorist event like 9-11. Um, it could be something that is totally unrelated to an event. It could just be like the, the financial meltdown that occurred in 2008, um, where but we can discuss whether it's foreseeable or not foreseeable um, and we can just debate and discuss 
that, but there, there is a ton of research that's out there that shows trying to predict the market is a, a failed experiment. So, so let's, let's define sequence of return risk here, Alex. So you just brought up the example of your $2 million asset goes down to 1.2. Right. Right. So, and if you're retired, you're most likely pulling income from that asset as well. So if you lose money because the market went down, and by the way, you still have, I don't know, food that you need to live on, <laughs> right? You're still gonna pull some amount of assets out as well for your income. Now you're, the market went down and you're pulling extra money out because you have to live. That's a double whammy because of that, that negative rate of return early on in your retirement years that can have a drastic, drastic impact on whether or not you outlive your money. Absolutely. And, and what causes that difference is the fact that you are selling out to create that cash flow when the market is down. And so if, you've, if, the, if that occurs on the climb up, okay, great. We just spend a little bit more time and allow the market to come back. With the notable exception of Japan, equity markets thus far have always come back. And so it's something where it's a matter of time and allowing the market to come back in order to course correct. And so that might mean delaying retirement or structuring things in a slightly different manner. And if we're doing proper planning, it, we may not need any course corrections at all because we've got non-correlated assets that didn't take the hit. We've got a plan to create income that isn't reliant upon uh, the market. And so as a result, we might still be able to, 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 to retire at the same time if it happens ahead of time. If it happens in retirement, now, like, okay, how do we course correct for that? It becomes a much more challenging thing because we're already – now, think about it in, in terms of like a car that has momentum going down a hill. It is much harder to change the trajectory of that car because we have momentum behind it, because we have created a, a method of distributing assets. And if we run into something like a negative sequence of return issue, now we're selling out and that money no longer has the ability to recover because we had to liquidate it. So you brought up a way to that, and it's a decision that most people should be looking at now, not five years prior to retirement. And you said the words non-correlated asset. So let's talk into, so that's something that we're suggesting a lot of people do now, even though you might be 20, 30 years away from retirement, so that you set yourself up for flexibility and choices, not only today, but later on. So let's talk about that non-correlated asset, Alex, like define what that means. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, the easiest way to do it is to, to talk about correlation. Um, and what we're talking about there is we're talking about correlation to the stock market. What that means is when the stock market goes up, how much do our other assets go up as a result of the market going up? That's not the issue. The issue is what happens when the market goes down. Do our assets go down when the market goes down? So now let's dive into an example of what some of these other assets could be. Well, it could be real estate. You know, how much does real estate go up or go down based on what the stock market's doing? And 
the answer is some. So there is some amount of correlation, but at the same time, it's much lower correlation than say uh, domestic stocks with international stocks or small caps with large caps or value versus growth. We also can talk about uh, banking products, money markets, savings accounts, uh, CDs, things of that nature. Uh, again, depending, like the stock market is still going to affect those because it's going to have an impact on interest rates, but it's going to be significantly less. Uh, same thing with bonds. We're going to have some amount of impact, but it's going to be less. And then there are other structures that are more of financial tools and financial products um, like annuities and life insurance. And life insurance has to be insurance first, but the cash value inside of that life insurance can become a powerful tool. And depending upon how it's structured, it can be strongly correlated to the market, neutrally correlated to the market, or not correlated to the market whatsoever. Um, so, and, and then so these are different like, assets that we can we can have to, that is not or not as correlated with the market as our majority of assets typically are in. And you should start these sooner than later, not five years prior, because you need you need the right. If you put a dollar into your 401k today, it doesn't turn into two million dollars tomorrow. You need that that 20 year time, that 30 year time for the magic of compound interest to work. The same thing is true with the non-correlated asset. Absolutely. Whether it's real estate, banking products, insurance products, um, it doesn't matter which non-correlated asset we're using or which combination of non-correlated assets we're using. The, the earlier that we create that diversification, the better off that we'll be. Um, and I can almost hear people say, oh, but Alex, what about uh, you know five years out or 10 years out from retirement, um, you know, creating it as a, a transfer or a lump sum at that point? Like, okay, well, what happens if the negative sequence of return event happens at that point? Now we're white knuckling it. Our $2 million went to, you know, say 1.3, 1.4 right before retire or like sometime in the five years before retirement. And so now we're just hoping and praying that the market comes back in time for us to be able to, to, to reallocate and create this bucket like you're going to be freaking out. And so the proper way to do it is to create this ahead of time and build it into your plan. There are ways that we can still go ahead and have very solid rates of return and still have it be in non-correlated assets, whether that's uh, you know, using the annuity concept or the, the real estate concept um, or some mix of those two. Um, and we're still going to want to have some dollars and some assets that are inside of more uh, banking type structures um, or more, uh, you know, promise based assets, whether that's uh, uh, certain types of permanent life insurance or whether that's banking products so that we have liquidity. So. Issue number one, harder for harder to course correct in, in distribution or retirement years is that sequence of return risk. Number two is we've made all these decisions in the, our accumulation years, right, of where we're putting our, our dollars, right? Traditional 401k, Roth 401k, traditional IRA, Roth IRA, taxable investment accounts, 
permanent life insurance, right? Maybe annuities later on in life. So we've made all these decisions. What are the tax insights or concerns that you should look at when you start to pull the money out? What, so again, when we're accumulating, most people don't spend the time, energy, or effort to dig into what are the tax ramifications in retirement? What happens when we cross certain thresholds in terms of the, the cost of Medicare? What happens to the different taxation of our different sources like Social Security? Uh, what happens with our property taxes when we cross certain thresholds? Most folks in, in accumulation, like that doesn't even enter into their thinking, let alone doing any type of uh, analysis on how, when, or why uh, we do those types of things. The other thing is we absolutely want to make sure that we understand the taxation structure and taxation system of you know, what, uh, what the history of taxes is. Uh, where have taxes been in our past? Where, ha where might taxes be going in the future? We don't have a crystal ball. We don't know where they're going. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we understand and have thought about it and put some time, energy, and effort into the thought around that so that we have a way to go forward. And even if we don't, even if we haven't put any thought into it, the proper way to address it is to create balance so that if taxes go up, we're not locked into one taxation system. If taxes go down, we're not locked into one taxation system. We have to have balance if the future is uncertain, which it is. So that's right. The taxes are a huge piece, which takes us to number three here, Alex, uh, at least for today's episode, which really is the, the multiplier of all things when we're looking at the distribution years, and that's longevity or uh, in its simplest terms, and this might scare some people, when are we going to pass away? Yeah, how long are you going to live is maybe a, a nicer way of putting it. Um, and, and this is far and away the biggest risk for folks in retirement. Continually, Americans underestimate how long they're going to live. Well, and it's not just themselves, right? So me and my wife, it's not just my life my money has to last. It's my wife's life. A hundred percent. Right? So it's two lives it has to la last for. You know, this isn't even taken into consideration any kind of uh, estate or, you know, money that we want to pass down to our children if that's a, if that's a priority or a concern. The fact of the matter is, is the longer you live – well, that's more in taxes you're going to pay. That's more risk around the market going up and down. That's more risk around inflation. Like that is the multiplier of all the different risks. Yeah, the more likely you're going to run into these events, not just, hey, if you live longer, you're going to need more money because you've lived longer. Um, sure, that that is one of the one of the things that longevity creates. But that is a drop in the bucket. You know, the longer you live, the more likely you are to run into a health issue the more likely you are to, to need long-term care. The more likely we are to not just pay more in taxes, but experience a shift in taxes. 
regardless of what that looks like, whether it's uh, a shift to, to more income taxes or less income taxes or to, to taxing different things. The, 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 the ultimate thing is, is that the longer that we live, the more likely we are to experience change and the more likely we are to experience bigger change, whether that's market related, whether that's inflation related, whether that's interest rate related, whether that's health related, whether that's taxation or structure related, whether it's uh, market volatility, all of these things become more likely with the longer that we live. And again, Americans continually underestimate how long they're going to live. Uh, and one of the, the reasons for this is like, if you look up longevity, you're going to see what's the likelihood of someone who's born today living. And we think, oh, okay, well, the you know the average you know man lives to mid 80s and the average woman lives to mid 80s plus a year or two. Like, okay, cool, not not a big deal. However, if you are already 65 and in good health, your longevity is going to extend out much further. It also doesn't yep. take into account medical advances that are going to be be occurring. It doesn't take into account like, okay, that's the average person in the population. If you have the ability to retire and retire in a, a, in a good manner, well, guess what? Chances are you've had better access to medical. Chances are you have more money. Um, there's a great quote from Voltaire that talks about wanting, like having a pension and wanting to live longer to stick it to the man to get more money out of that pension. Um, and like the other, the other component is, that mid 80s number, it's important to remember that that is 50% of the population, meaning that 50% of the population is going to live beyond that age. So it's not just like, oh, everyone's dead in mid 80s. Like, and intuitively we know this, but at the same time, we don't internalize it. Um, I don't know about, about you, Ryan, but I've, I've never been the average i don't have a white picket fence a dog a cat and two and a half kids yeah it here's the thing right it we're, we're bringing all this stuff up and it sounds like it's a, a negative conversation it's not the intent the, te the intent is the decisions we make today affect how we get access and flexibility of our future self and too often people aren't tying or planning with the end in mind and that's the whole purpose of today's episode is what is the plan if, you, if you've got a plan for the accumulation which a lot of people do they haven't thought about coming down the mountain and once you tie that in it it does actually make it simpler as to where you should be putting your money um, because you now are thinking with that end in mind a hundred percent and that and that brings us to the question of the day which is what is your plan to come down the, the mountain how are you going to create an income in retirement so head over to beerandmoney.net and there's a spot for you to answer that question or a spot for you to reach out to us if you have any specific questions or uh, subjects that you would like for us to talk about. We hope this episode was valuable for you. And as always, Alex. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. 
Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, OSJ333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711. Telephone number 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License, number 1531912, CA Insurance License, number OK24924. Alexander Collins AR Insurance License number 7264699 CA Insurance License number 0H24806 Pinpoint number 2021117429 Expiration 03 2023